Conscious Collaboration brings together entrepreneurs, change makers, and thought leaders. We aim to highlight the people that embody the idea of aligned mind, body, and business. Each week, we share, discuss, and learn from the various experiences and ideas of our guest experts. Through our discovery, we find a path to an aligned mind, body, and business. Hi, guys. Welcome into the Conscious Collaboration. I'm Lisa. And my name's Emily. And we are the Conscious Collaboration Podcast. We are missing our dear friend, Michelle, today, uh, but she will be back with us. And so today, rounding out the trifecta, we do have a guest that I've been really excited to have with us. Uh, she is a friend of mine. Her name is Niaje Wallace. And she, like a lot of the people we roll with, has wears about a million hats. But she is the owner of Bliss Bar Meditation Studio in Tampa. And it happens to be the only place of its kind in all of Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Niaje? That is correct. We are the first meditation studio in Tampa yes. Bay. Love that. Uh, And you are specializing in sound therapy, but a type of sound therapy that you've really um, worked on to become your your own methods. And that is a somatic sound therapy technique. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is, what that entails? So any any somatic practice is involving the body. So connecting the mind and body. So a lot of people are familiar with sound baths and they are usually advertised as relaxation. But what I really want to focus on with this healing modality, somatic sound therapy is connecting us back to our body, getting us back into our body to learn the wisdom our body is communicating to us. So learning how every tightness, every tension, every physical ailment actually has an emotional root cause and connecting us back to our intuition through our body because our our intuition communicates to us through our body. So using sound therapy to access that internal wisdom that we all have. Love that. And you have created uh, a certification for your methods, right? Yeah. So my first certification is a trauma-informed sound therapy practitioner Mm -hmm. certification. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that practitioners understand the trauma that can come up and be released in a session. And they have to have protocols to make sure that they're providing a safe environment mentally, physically, and emotionally for their clients. When I got certified, there were a lot of things that they didn't cover. Like what happens if someone has you know, an episode. And when I say an episode, like someone could start crying, but someone could actually have some like trauma come to the surface and the practitioners have to know how to handle that. Love that. Uh, and you also showed me something really cool when I went to visit the studio the other day, and that is a type of technology where you can actually visualize, uh, some different things that the chakras are doing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, we do an energy analysis. So it's a device called a BioWell. It, it's created by a Russian scientist that does research for Joe Dispenza. So it's really cutting edge technology. It's combining Kirlin photography, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that properly, but Kirlin photography with uh, measuring the biophotons that are coming off your fingertips. It's it's really, really amazing. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But it basically pulls up how energy is being dispersed in your body and it shows you where your chakras are. So our chakras are constantly moving. It's energy. Energy is constantly moving. So what I do is I run three to four scans to take snapshots of where your chakras are so we can see how they're rotating. We can see if they're rotating more in the masculine or more in the feminine, and it will show you where you need balance specifically for how your chakras are rotating, where you need balance to have a balanced life. Mm-hmm. And then you can use that information and those visuals to guide the like a private session of of a sound bath right to to see what that yes. individual needs yeah that's yeah so, cool. so if there's if there's something blocked if there's something that's not receiving enough energy if there's something that's receiving too much energy i'm able to create a private that's custom for what that client needs mm-hmm. i love the combination or you know, taking the more esoteric and new agey stuff and being able to supplement it and back it up with science. I just Mm -hmm. love that. Um, Lisa was using a, I don't want to say a similar, but also an energetically geared technology on me right before we started this podcast. (laughs) So I'm, I'm geeking out on that right now. And then it's part of your certification to teach that technology to the practitioners. I do. So the the actual software is really, really detailed there. It mm-hmm. pulls up seven different charts and I don't focus on all seven. So I highly recommend if anyone purchases the device to get the certification through them to learn mm-hmm. how it works. But mm-hmm. then I teach specifically how I use it in my practice. So if another sound healer wanted to to purchase this device, they understand like how I use it. So it definitely helps with client retention when people can actually see their progress because, you know, we can tell someone, make sure you get proper sleep, make sure you hydrate, do all these self-care things. But if they don't have a measuring stick to see like how it's actually benefiting them, they're going to be like, whatever, (laughs) you know? So this actually is able to give them a visual of the benefits of sound therapy and coming to a consistent sound bath and doing the inner work, doing the self-care, you can actually see how it's improving your energy. Dope. Yeah. People like something they can see or feel something tangible. So we've done a lot of episodes, um, and conversation about the realities, both the good and the bad of the first year in business. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your first year in business? How is that going for you? Oh man. So this business or my first business? (laughs) Well, let's, so this business is the one that you're actually in the first year of, right? So yeah. So I I started this specific business a year ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. So it has not been, uh, it has not been without obstacles and a little bit of drama but you're, you're still hanging in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything? So let's put it this way. Is there anything, 
any one piece of advice or insight that you would give uh, someone who is starting up or thinking of starting up a business uh, regarding that first year, like something that you wouldn't know unless somebody just told you. <laughs> oh, man, I, I literally can write a book on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Uh, I think that where I'm at right now is mm. protect your creations, protect your mm. creations. Mm. It, it's really, really important to not only copyright your material, but also look into trademarks because there's a lot of loopholes with copyrights. And mm -hmm. intellectual property right now, especially on social media, is so easy to like copy people's stuff. And uh, another part of that is have everything in writing, literally mm -hmm. everything in writing. Have everything in writing because you can join into some type of collaboration or partnership and something go wrong. It happens. And a lot of times we don't go into it thinking that anything is going to go wrong because right. we're like, oh my God, I'm working with this person. Right. They're amazing. But you have to have everything in writing. And when I say everything, everything, expectations, duties, communications, literally track everything in writing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like that, that marriage I mean, partnership, right? Like you don't want to think that <laughs> you're going to need the prenup, but yeah. You should probably. You should yes. Probably always have a prenup when it comes to business, like business, <laughs> business yeah. marriages, like because, you know, business divorces, I actually talked about this on my podcast. Business uh -huh. divorces do happen and yes, it can be very, very messy if you don't have everything in writing. And even if you do have things in writing, it still is messy having to mm -hmm. go back and review that. But if you are planning on growing any type of business, having the back end straight and solid is so ridiculously important. I think that we focus a lot on the external, how the website looks, how the social media looks, mm -hmm. am I posting enough content? But if your back end isn't solid, you will regret it later. And I mean, that's, mm -hmm. it's harsh to say, but it, I, I learned the lesson harshly. So I have yeah. to deliver yeah. it harshly. No, that's, that's exactly true. I think that's great advice. Um, yeah, Jay, it's so interesting that you bring up the back end part of a business. Um, and so in feng shui, we look at the energy of the earthly elements. And through the I Ching, it talks a lot about going back to the foundations. Without the foundations, you can install your scaffolding to get to the next level and scale up. Um, without your foundations, yes. you don't have anything to, to look to um, it, when something does go wrong. So oftentimes what we divine of the I Ching is telling us, don't do any of the outward, <laughs> don't do any of the doing of things or the output. Focus more instead on really solidifying that foundational work. And it feels so uncomfortable when you're just starting out in those first couple of years of business to take that time to create, to take that time to do, to do the math. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, Emily? Is that like our favorite? Our favorite is doing the math. The math is my favorite. <laughs> Spelled M-A-F-F. Uh, I'm yeah. good at math. <laughs> so I, I love that. I love that your advice is to always have that prenup and to have that solid foundation. Um, because I think when we're starting out in our first businesses, that's that's where we that's where we fall. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I can attest to that too. Um, so another thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast, and it seems like just about everybody experiences it to some degree. <laughs> regardless of how much experience they actually have, 
Um, do you deal with imposter syndrome? <sighs> you know, I actually had a really intense, like, I like to sit with things. Like mm -hmm. I, I sat with the concept of imposter syndrome a lot lately. And I think it shows up on different levels for yep. people. Yep. And I'm not someone who ever thought like, oh, I can't do this or I'm not good enough or I'm going to get exposed or anything like that. My experience with imposter syndrome was trying to connect myself or align myself with established companies because I'm young, I'm black and I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a little different than it's a little different than the imposter syndrome that makes you feel like, like, who am I to deserve this? Or who am I to write a book? Or who am I to start this business? It's a little different because I'm like, I have this knowledge. I have these skill sets. Like, I know I can do this. However, is society going to value me as much mm -hmm. as I feel I should be valued because I'm a woman, because I'm Black, and because mm -hmm. I'm young? And so I found that I... I found that I wanted to align with someone already established so people would take me a little more seriously, but that wasn't me believing fully in my skills and my knowledge and my expertise. And so I had to sit with it like, okay, it doesn't show up how a lot of people experience the insecurities. It's more of, it's more of, a, a societal programming that I had to overcome to fully believe in myself. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great perspective on it and how it, an example of how it can still show up even albeit a little differently in a person who has a really great established self-worth and self-confidence. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think back to my first like one of, well, one of my first studios, I had a dance and aerial studio before I yeah. got into yeah. sound therapy. And when I opened that studio, I was 25 at the time. And I thought that yeah. people won't take me seriously because I'm young. So I used to act as if I wasn't the owner and I like worked at the studio. Wow. And it, was, it literally was the Are most ridiculous serious? thing. Oh it was the gosh. most ridiculous thing. I but mean, like, I was dumb then, as hell when I was 25. I, I <laughs> <laughs> that blows my mind. <laughs> That's really so. It just, know. yeah, it just, and and so it wasn't that like, okay, I don't like who am I to start this business? Like that was never a thought. It was more like, are people going to take me seriously? Uh -huh. You know, knowing that I own this studio, and I and and I also look a lot younger than I am. So I like even when I was twenty five, I probably looked like I was like eighteen. Yeah, so you do. good. <laughs> even now, like if I tell you my age, people think I'm like at least ten years younger than what mm -hmm. I am. So, mm -hmm. so it was like that was always my thing of like I look I look a lot younger, and I'm also a woman. I also have purple hair. You know, like. I don't look like your typical business owner. So are they going to Thank God. value me? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So it just, it was, it was a lot of like reprogramming societal norms and, and I'm a disruptor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we have business owners now that are women that are younger, that are even older or like have tattoos. Like, have you seen like business owners with a bunch of tattoos and, you know, we have therapists with like mohawks and stuff like that. Like we are disrupting the norms, but that process of like, stepping into your power to disrupt the norm, it yeah. takes that deep inner work to overcome that imposter syndrome. So looking back at that strategy now, the actually kind of becoming the imposter in order to get by, um, what do you, what do you think about that, that tactic now? Oh my goodness. It was so ridiculous of me to do that at 25. <laughs> but I understand, I understand why I did it. And I, I have so much compassion and acceptance for that version of myself. And I think that one of the most important things is to not have shame around whatever imposter syndrome you experience. If you don't experience some form of imposter syndrome, you're not setting goals high enough period. Mm. So having acceptance around Mm. it, because it's, if you're, if you're not experiencing some type of fear, then you're not setting goals high enough. It's literally part of the process of stepping into your power. So there shouldn't be any shame around imposter syndrome. That's what I needed to overcome Mm. to get to where I am and to be the woman that I am today. I love that perspective. Don't you Lisa? (laughs) Yeah. We talk a lot about this also as we're talking about the body too. So we talk about this in workouts when I'm hanging out with Emily in the gym and there's that like fear (laughs) if she tells me how much, um, the weight is that I'm about to do. So I'll immediately have this like, Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. like I've never done this before. Right. Like I haven't Um, been deadlifting for two whole years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, and then on the flip side, like when there's a, a little bit of ignorance or play or joy injected into it, I don't even notice when there's been extra weight or like Emily accidentally threw an extra plate on there. <laughs> do we play during our workouts? <laughs> oh, do we? I don't know. There needs Are we to joyful be in our workouts? <laughs> there needs to be a camera in there. Um, and Yajay, there? Was, <laughs> it, there, is there a camera in there? Yajay, while Not you were talking too, <laughs> I was thinking about meditation and it's so widely accepted now that everyone has their meditation practice, their, their routines. Um, and we know that's important to have in our lives, to be able to really excel at a level that we all place upon ourselves. I mean, I think there's this like new, now that there's more of an awakening of the importance of mindset and that aspect of self-care. Um, and it's so mainstream with Deepak Chopra and Oprah and, and everyone doing their programs out there. Um, what, what is your best advice? And, um, and it's kind of like two parts. So, and, um, so there's self-practice with meditation and there's different types of meditation. Um, which do you recommend to those who are just starting out and perhaps even those who are business owners, like what, what is the best practice that they can um, put into their lifestyle? Well, I mean, obviously I own a meditation studio, so come to Bliss Bar. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely going to recommend that. Is it group and personal? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we do, we do private sessions and we do group sessions. And my focus at Bliss Bar Meditation Studio is helping entrepreneurs and business owners avoid burnout. Now, if you're not in Tampa or you're not close enough to come into my studio or any yoga studio that offers sound therapy, I would definitely recommend 
a lot of journaling and you can listen to meditations and listen listen to healing frequencies. There's a lot of apps like Insight Timer and Calm app that offer meditations. However, I do want to say it's really, really important for people to understand that meditation isn't, and this is my belief, there's going to be people that believe different things. My belief is meditation isn't necessarily about quieting your mind. That's like step three. Mm. To me, step one is observing what's going on in your Mm. mind. So Mm. if you haven't spoken, let's, I'll give you an example. If you haven't spoken to a friend in let's just say five years, you're going to have so much to say, like so much to say, like so much catching up. And if you try to like shut the friend up, like, okay, we can't (laughs) talk about this. Like I need you to be quiet. That friend is going to be like, um, WTF. I don't know if I can curse on here. You know, the, the friend is <laughs> the friend is going to be like, what is the deal here? You know, like you're trying to shut me up. So if you're just starting meditation and you haven't actually paid attention to what's going on in your mind, what it's saying, what it's communicating to you, what it needs you to hear that process of trying to quiet your mind is going to be frustrating. So it's really important to understand, in my opinion, the first step is to observe what's going on in your mind and then make the decision, is this serving me? And then release what's no longer serving you. Then you have the quiet mind. Mm -hmm. And so to me, for someone just starting out in meditation, I don't have them come into my studio and, and say like, okay, let it all go. I'm like, no, pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to what your body's communicating to you. Does your back hurt? Do you have a tight knee? Are your hamstrings tight? Like this is information. This is data that you need to feel your best. This is data that you need to be your best. And you have to pay attention to that. And if someone says, quiet your mind, you're not paying attention to the important data. I love that. That resonates so much. And in fact, it's basically how I start every single one of my restorative yoga classes is first we just observe, I say without judgment, you know, we, we just calm the breath and just turn all the energy inward and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You got to check in and set baselines before we start making adjustments and, and doing things like that. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. We live in a society that's constantly programming us to suppress, dismiss, and deny what mm. we're feeling. Mm-hmm. you know? And so, so reprogramming that programming that is no longer serving us. Mm-hmm. Love that. What are some I of the, the biggest symptoms that you see or you hear from your clients when they come in as, as um, entrepreneurs, business owners, is there any, are there any three um, symptoms that show up or um, expressions that they, they share with you from their experience that, um, that you realize is something that needs to be addressed? At the Conscious Collaboration Podcast, we are proud affiliates of Atapa medical grade red light therapy devices. Red light therapy boasts a long list of clinically proven benefits, many that I and many of my clients have experienced firsthand. You can be sure that you'll be able to train harder, recover faster, and sleep better with Atapa red light therapy. Visit myatapa.com, M-Y-A-T-A-P-A.com, or use the link in our Instagram bio to shop with the code COLLAB15, that's C-O-L-L-A-B-15, 
for a discount on your device. Yeah, so definitely anxiety is is the highest thing. Um, a lot of people with high anxiety, but we live in such a fast-paced world. We're inundated with information, so we're going at a rapid pace. Society's programming us to go, 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 hustle, grind. And so there's a lot of anxiety. So calming that anxiety, letting people know that like you're exactly where you're meant to be. You're not missing out on anything. We live in a FOMO society. Mm-hmm. So definitely anxiety is the highest, the highest thing that people come in with. lower back pain, which is our root chakra. So that's our foundation. That's our stability. That's our safety. You know, after the pandemic, obviously a lot of people are struggling with their, their root chakra. And now people talking about a recession, a lot of people are struggling with their root chakra. So lower back pain is definitely something else that's very common. And then I would say, like heart and throat chakra. When I do the energy analysis, usually when something's weighing on someone's heart, like you can see there's a massive imbalance in the heart chakra, their throat chakra is overactive because there's energy being lodged there because they're not mm. honoring and expressing what's on their heart. So the the energy gets lodged in their throat Throat chakra is overactive, so that can cause a a number of different problems, but it also blocks energy from our third eye. So there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of indecision. There's a lot of like self-doubt, like questioning yourself and not trusting your intuition because your intuition isn't receiving enough energy because everything's lodged in your, your heart and throat because you're not really honoring whatever is weighing on your heart. So those are probably the top three things that I see when people come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, oh, I love that, that so much. Sense. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear what listeners have to say about their own experiences. Um, we do a lot of talk about aligning our mind, body, and our businesses. So our businesses being an extension of our of ourselves in some way. And, and of course, we happen to be in businesses that are easily, um, you know, somewhat of a, a, a more esoteric or spiritual level um, being uh, you know, I'm a feng shui master and Emily has incorporated that into her work, but certainly this can apply to anyone in any type of service or consultancy or product development. We really find in a lot of our conversations, being in alignment allows for the ideas to flow through you. So to come to you so that you're receiving. So when you're in your best alignment, um, it's not as much of a struggle. Do you see that as well? Oh, totally. And one thing I I do want to say about that is alignment is, I almost want to say alignment is a lifestyle, but it's, it's a consistent (laughs) thing. So it's not like you, you get into alignment and then you're just in alignment. (laughs) It's a consistent thing. So having practices that bring you back when life takes you out. So um, totally. Like when you're, when everything's aligned and everything's flowing through your body in the way that it's meant to, you have more creativity, you have more energy, you have more joy, you have more passion. And when you find that like everything feels tight and tense, that's because it's out of alignment. So when you feel more liberated and flow and joy and bliss, that that's definitely where we should be, but it's having the practices to bring us back to that place. Yeah. I love that you say that it's like a lifestyle or a practice. It's like working out to maintain a strong, healthy body. You don't just get there and then be like, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't have to work out anymore. You still, you still show up and it's, it's part of your life forever. 
I'm I'm a little dramatic when I give examples to my clients. I say it's like showering. If you want to maintain good hygiene, you well, have to shower every day, that's right? True. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I think you got to present it a little dramatic sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so much more to life than just having your, your nails done and your hair done. Um, you know, like that outer game. There's so much. Lashes are very doing. important. Though. Lashes. I won't Lashes my, I'm not saying these are not important things, ladies. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but having that inner game up to par is what's going to create the longevity. Um, so let's talk about the, the joy and the play. So oh, yes. I, what I'm hearing a lot of getting in, dipping into the imbalance of, of business and, you know, you're talking about the grind and then the anxiety and all of that. Um, let's talk about the importance of, um, instilling joy and practices that allow you to play into your life. And how can we um, integrate those and into more harmonious relationship? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. This is so good. I actually, I found myself in a process of not focusing on the things that bring me joy in my business. And it's the fastest way to burn out. Mm-hmm. It is literally the fastest way to burn out. So creativity is attached to joy and that excitement is attached to joy. So We have to do the things that bring us joy. And when you get deep into business, it can seem like, okay, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to play. I don't have time to be creative. And you get into that monotonous routine that steals the the passion that you had in the beginning for starting the business. It steals it away. So it's really, really important that you set aside just as important as the back end. So I feel like focus on the back end and then focus on the joy and like all the other stuff in between. Like you can worry about that later, but it's really, really, really important that you're doing something honestly on a daily basis that brings you joy. So Mm -hmm. I, I like to watch the sunset. Like that's something like beauty inspires me. Like that really gives me joy. And I did this exercise and I talked about it on my podcast, 30 days of joy, like committing to doing something that brings me joy every single day, even if it's five, 10 minutes, but committing to something that brings me joy because joy activates our our inner child and children are creative. And if you are an entrepreneur, like a business owner, you have to have creativity. So if we are not connecting with that playfulness and that joy, We're going to feel stifled. We're not going to have great ideas. We're not going to have ideas that are really going to make a big impact in our business and in in the world. So joy is so ridiculously important. Important. Yes. And it's just so compelling too. It's even, it's even just to hear someone in a place of joy, talk about anything is so much more compelling and attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, it's something that lights you up from within. And I think it's something that, yeah, I mean, we think, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to work, um, you know, around the clock, um, 80 hours and um, pouring all of that in there. And what you're doing is diluting what brought you to doing, <laughs> starting mm-hmm. your business in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And and I want to say, I feel like there is a lot of judgment around joy. You know, there's, mm-hmm. we have self-judgment of mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm an entrepreneur. I can't selfish. be doing this. Like, mm-hmm. like. Like, I can't do this because I need to be doing this. You know, as a business owner, I need to be doing this. There's so much judgment. There's Mm -hmm. literally so much judgment. And we actually cap our joy. So a lot of people are programmed to wait for the other shoe to drop. So if I get too excited, if I get too happy, if I get too joyful, if I get too playful, it's like we cap it and we're like, oh, no, let me not be too excited or I'll jinx it. There's so much Mm -hmm. programming. So really 
understanding your capacity for joy is important and expanding to allow more joy and play in. And most of that judgment probably is self-imposed, at least like 75% of it, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Um, Niaje's podcast, by the way, is called Abundance Hacks. Lots of good topics on there. So you should definitely um, check that out. And then I wanted to peel back a layer and take this conversation a little bit uh, in a little bit different direction than we normally go on the show. <laughs> um, full disclosure, Niage and I and another friend and fellow yoga teacher and sound therapist went out for a completely joyful recreational <laughs> night out the other night. And um, I just keep saying it was the happy hour that turned into 12 hours and I am not mad about it at all. But one of the themes that we were definitely discussing and encountering and testing out uh, during our night out was uh, just the idea of dating as a single, obviously, uh, female entrepreneur and the ins and outs and ups and downs of that. Um, one of the common themes that segues off of a lot of what we talk about within business, you know, kind of being mindful of that ebb and flow and making sure that you're in your feminine energy, just as much as we tend to be in that masculine forward moving energy as business women. Uh, But that can then carry over into dating, right? How do you, how do you see that playing out? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I feel like this topic is like, oh my God. So one thing I will say (laughs) is dating. Let's go there. Let's go there. (laughs) Yeah. Let's Maybe, maybe we'll teach somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So for me personally, it's been extremely difficult dating, extremely Mm -hmm. difficult. So, you know, you have certain men that are intimidated by women who Mm -hmm. are business owners, women who speak their mind, women who are not like people pleasers. Um, So I am very like, this is what I want. This is who I am. And that, that, is challenging for a lot of men that are not in their divine masculine. And then you have men that are successful and also business owners, but it it seems they want more of a submissive woman. And so submissive doesn't always equate to feminine. So like to Mm -hmm. me, feminine and submissive can be two different things. And so yeah, there, there's so many layers, but what's really funny is when I do energy analysis for couples, I've seen more often where the woman is completely in her masculine, like her chakras are operating in her masculine, mm-hmm. and the man is operating completely in their masculine. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. The woman's completely mm-hmm. in her masculine and the, the man's completely in his feminine. And to me, okay, on the surface, that probably works because, you know, roles are reversed, but in my personal opinion, are they truly happy? Because you can tell Mm -hmm. the woman is craving to be in her feminine. Like she wants to be more in her feminine. And I mean, I think that guys, and, and I don't, I don't think that it's kind of like guys just like don't care about being in their divine masculine. I think that there's so many, 
so many things that have happened in the world, um, mm -hmm. like the Me Too thing, where now men are actually scared to step up and scared to do certain mm -hmm. things because it's like, well, I want to respect a woman because she has the right to be independent and I, I want to make sure I'm not crossing her. And like, you know, there's there's so many layers. But in my opinion, the bottom line is like we have to shift some shit because mm -hmm. the women being too much in their masculine, like, Yes, I'm a business owner. Yes, I take action. Yes, I know who I am. I know what I want. I know what I need. And I also want to be catered to. Mm -hmm. I also want to be adored. I also want to be be cherished and and experience chivalry and courting. Like I right. want pursued. all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and pursued. Yes. Open the yeah. door for me. Open the car door for me. Bring me flowers. Like I want all of those things just because I'm a business owner doesn't mean I don't want those things. And I want mm. a man that can provide, like, can I provide for myself? Yes. But I also want a man that could provide. So mm. it's, it's this, like, it's this weird energy I feel like right now where things are so reversed that it's like very, very wonky. And mm -hmm. I think that ultimately a man should be in his divine masculine and a woman should be in her divine feminine. And we all have masculine and feminine energy, but knowing when we should be in which, you know, and being able to shift like when I go home, okay, I'm done with business. I'm done taking action. When I go home, now I want to put on something sexy and really get in my feminine energy. So making sure that you have that balance. And I don't think that a lot of people have that balance these days. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's missing, uh, in a lot of places. And I, I think that at the core of a lot of it, not always, but I think that at the core of a lot of it is like just issues with self-worth yeah. um, on both the masculine and the feminine side, you know, feminines being too much in their masculine because for protective sort of reasons and, you know, lots of dynamics for the other way around as well. But um, it makes for a really <laughs> challenging uh, dating scenario. <laughs> so yeah. tell me as three business owners going out in the wild <laughs> the other night, yes. what were the dynamics like? Like, <laughs> did you sense that, um, men were picking up on your feminine or like masculine energy and what kind of conversations resulted? I think we were very much in our feminine. We were magnetic as hell. That was the word that, that I kept thinking of. I mean, people were very attracted to us and, um, I think they were good people for the most part, you know, it wasn't like a predatorial vibe, but <laughs> what did come up was, uh, and thankfully it was in much more of a joking way this time around than back in the day when, uh, my old roll dog, her name is Rachel. Um, we used to go out all the time and we sort of had to come up with, uh, this social experiment to figure out how to most effectively ward off unwanted attention from men. And so the technique that we found that was most effective back in the day was if you just scream at them. Yeah. <laughs> 
because the, you know, sort of saying like, oh, my friend here is my partner definitely doesn't work. Saying you have a boyfriend doesn't work. That makes them tend to go harder. Even kind of like being gross didn't really work, like burping or something like that. They just, like, okay, well, we're in a club, whatever. Um, so, so in a really hilarious turn of events, we started just screaming at people and they would be like, what the fuck? And then just, you know, <laughs> run away. I later found out from Shahar, who was a previous guest on the show, that that's actually a technique um, called the blowfish effect, where you just do something really crazy or stupid or funny. And, uh, you know, that kind of takes the person off their game for just long enough to uh, to escape, so to speak. But we were having some fun with that on Friday night and came up with some additional techniques having to do with barking or, uh, you know, movie quotes from Anchorman's. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's a fun game. I saw, I, I saw a meme the other day too, about like crying, crying over a book and how there aren't enough books in the world. Did I send you guys that one? I feel like you I saw that. There's so much, yeah. there's so much good therapy and sharing memes back and forth. I will say that, um, if that's not an approved or certification right now, meme therapy, it Ooh. should be one. I might have just coined it right now. So you're welcome, whoever. That's our next million idea. dollar idea. <laughs> yes. um, but you know what? When you were talking, I was thinking like, so there's an intention when we take off our business hat and we're going out for happy hour, we're going on a date. There's this intention. What are some things that men and women can do to, to get back to their correct um, energy, their, their, you know, personal yeah. energy. Yeah. I think that one of the things I, I feel like it's simple, but one of the things that I think is really important is for men to take action, mm-hmm. ask the woman out because we have dating apps. Guys are not used to stepping into that, you know, like I'm going to ask this woman out uh, thing anymore. Cause it's very like swipe and, you know, like mm-hmm. let's grab drinks. But I really think men need to take action. Like ask yes. the woman out, go up to the woman. Like they don't have to necessarily go. And we, we did have some guys come up to us when we went out, but mm-hmm. it's not something that it's, it is as common these days as it used to be before we had dating apps. So take action and then also have follow through. So to me, follow through sits in our solar plexus. If you don't have a, a, a solid solar plexus, you're going to be a little more flimsy. So really standing in your power and having follow through. If you are going to pursue a woman, like ask her out, make a plan, follow up yes. and follow through. Yes. And I think that we're in such a time where it's like, oh, I don't really care. It is what it is. And so if this, like, if the plan doesn't go through or I don't hear from her or she doesn't text me back fast enough, I'm just going to get back on Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, whatever it is, and swipe some more and find someone else, you know? So there's (laughs) there's literally no, there's no follow through. There's no like solid action. And for me, I'm like, I need solid action. Like make a plan, make make a plan, follow up. Like, hey, are we still going? Like, where are we going? Time, like I need, I need, I need a man to, be a man. And that's the and not, representative not, not too to, of an ultimate commitment. Yeah. You know, and if you can't commit to making, to planning one date, then what does that say for future endeavors, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. And so I think that because men haven't been stepping up to do that, then, then the women step up to do that, but then they're in yeah. their masculine. And I don't think that that's how it should be. I really think no. that men should pursue women. And I think mm-hmm. that, that women should be courted and women should be, you know, like, like swept off their feet. Like I'm a hopeless romantic, like sweep mm-hmm. me off my feet. Like that is, that's, that's how it should be. We need yeah. that back. Like we need the romance back. You know, I hear that and mine's a little more (laughs) crude, I guess, but my, my saying that I've been saying is like, from now on, I will only be hunted. (laughs) So it is what it is. A man in his divine masculine is a hunter. Wants that. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so for women, when they're shifting back into their, their dating or their relationship life Mm -hmm. outside of work, um, our practices look a little bit different. Are there any that are your favorite? You mentioned like getting, you know, getting dressed up and um, getting, what, is there anything mindset wise too that needs an inner shift? Yeah, I think that one of the words that you said was um, magnetic. So Mm -hmm. focusing on your energy, it's going to call in that divine masculine. So really, I, I think just having a practice of like really loving on yourself. So whatever that looks like for you to make you feel feminine and sensual and sexy, do that. So for me, I like to put on some Beyonce and twerk in the mirror. <laughs> yes. That's a great you know, practice. I mean, I, I, I personally love lingerie. Like even if I am just home alone, like just me, like just for me to feel sexy. I buy myself roses once a week. So having my roses, it just makes me feel, it makes me feel like a woman. It makes me feel sensual. It makes me feel just, you know, like in love with life. And that's going to make you magnetic to what you mm-hmm. want to actually call in. Yes. That's that empress energy. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and likewise too, it should be repelling of, of those who aren't a good fit. Well, I haven't been repelling <laughs> enough though. So <laughs> I'm Just like, I don't know if it start barking. You know the yeah. <laughs> That's the backup plan. <laughs> no, it, it, you would think, you would think it would repel, but you know that they say like moths are drawn to the flame. So, so you're mm. going to actually attract both. You're going to mm. attract the, the divine masculine and you're also going to attract the toxic masculine mm-hmm. just because they're like, Oh, okay. Like that light, that energy, it's going to attract both. Unfortunately, like that's, t- it's my harsh truth. Cause I've attracted mm-hmm. some really damaged men and right. I've also attracted, you know, really amazing men. So it's, I think being solid in who you are and knowing what you want and what you desire and what you need and sticking to that. And when you see the signs, believe them the first yes. time, believe yes. them the first time and don't think you can change them because, yes. oh my God, that's been my my Don't toxic pattern. Fixer. Stop it. <laughs> yep, yes. that's my toxic pattern. I, I think I think I can change them. Discernment skills mm-hmm. has yep. been a big lesson, I think. So that yep. you you let people in, right? You you act as that receptive feminine. You let everyone in, um, and then you. I've never really used this saying before, but you sort the wheat from the chaff, right? You figure out. <laughs> what's, what's good for you and what's not. And then you only keep what is aligned. 
Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that. And I know we're, we're coming to a great end and um, closure here and all of these great topics. And I feel like we need to have a part two and three, but we talk about the idea and collaboration of, um, you know, that garden that you create of extended family and who are you going to allow into your energy? So we do a lot of talk about, you know, occasionally you're going to have to de-weed your garden. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Occasionally. Totally. Isn't it yeah, just weeding your garden? Help. Do what? Isn't it just weeding your garden? Don't you just weed it? Yeah, you you weed it, it? or do you de weed it? (laughs) (laughs) But then I, but then you said weed, and my mind went like another. Yeah, somebody say weed. (laughs) (laughs) So, however you want your garden to look, (laughs) it's going to be bountiful. Um, You know, you want to make sure, especially as you are cultivating a business, that you have the right energy around you, the right counsel. Um, and that goes as far as your, your personal relationships and your dating, because that seeps into, um, whatever you're putting into your client experiences or your product development or creativity. So I heard, so thank you so much for being here too. I heard, I wrote down so many good (laughs) topics, um, just to highlight a few of them, um, as we were talking about mind and body, um, we were talking about always having a prenup as well. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. in a business. So that's really great advice, um, and protecting your creations, um, and trademarking and committing to joy, Mm -hmm. you know, always remembering why we started doing what we're doing. And I think also just, um, weeding our garden. (laughs) (laughs) We're not really sure. (laughs) Um, do you have any last, um, uh, insights or anything that just come, came to your mind that you would like to leave our listeners with? Mm. Allow in the abundance. Mm. So my, my podcast is abundance hack. I talk about living an abundant life, allow it in like abundance is literally all around us. We just have to allow it in. And a lot of times we're, we're blocking it because we're not, we're not seeing, where we have resistance to the things we actually want. So just allow in the abundance. Love that. That's that feminine receptive (laughs) energy. So we're going to have, um, so abundance taxes or podcasts, we're going to have all of Niaje's links in the show notes. And as always, uh, please drop us a line, be it in our email or in our DMS on Instagram. If you have any questions for us or Niaje, we will certainly relay them uh, to her and get back to you. And, um, and I guess we'll wrap it up from there. So thank you again, Niaje. This was super fun. And I hope we get to do it a bunch more times. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes. All right, guys. And so have- much fun. Well, yeah. we'll probably all talk again in five minutes. Talk to you <laughs> in five minutes. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all so much for listening to our podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends so they can join our circle of collaboration on this journey. You can find us on Instagram at Conscious Collaboration Podcast, on Spotify, iTunes, and Audible, to name a few. Please join us next time for another deep dive into how you can live life in more alignment, mind, body, and business. Send us your questions and comments in our DMs or email us at consciouscollaborationpodcast at gmail.com. See you in five minutes.